0: Welcome to today's podcast. I'm going to cover three important topics, two trees, two seeds, and twins. Second topic is speaking the truth in all situations. And I will finish today's episode with sharing the gospel with Muslims. Greetings. Thank you for tuning in to listen to Equipping the Bride podcast I'm Brother Jason DeMars from Beaufort, South Carolina, a minister at Bethel Tabernacle. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Friday. You can watch this podcast on YouTube and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. May the Lord richly bless you. Hello, everyone. I'm Jason DeMars. I'm your host, and we'll get right into our subject for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. The first segment, I want to start out speaking about two trees, two seeds, and twins. I want to examine some verses closely regarding this subject in order to show forth this important revelation which is so significant to the day that we live in genesis 3:14 and 15 and the lord god said unto the serpent because thou hast done this thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life and i will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Adam Clark, British Methodist theologian and biblical scholar, who was a close associate with John Wesley, writes in his commentary regarding the serpent, or the Hebrew word nachash, whom I suppose to have been at the head of all inferior animals. And in a sort of society and intimacy with man is to be greatly degraded, entirely banished from human society, and deprived of the gift of speech. Cursed art thou above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Thou shalt be considered the most contemptible of animals. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, thou shalt no longer walk erect. And now you'll notice the similarity of what Adam Clark says to what Brother Branham teaches in the sermon The Serpent Seed preached September 28th, 1958. Now let's watch this just a minute. He he is smart, crafty, yet he is called the serpent. But remember, he was the smartest thing there was and the more like the human being than anything else that was on the field closest to a human being. He was not a reptile. The curse made him a reptile. The Bible said he was the most beautiful of all. And in the sermon, questions and answers, January 3rd, 1954, and the serpent was not a reptile. The curse made him a reptile. He was just like a man. He walked upright. All right. So we find in verse 15 of Genesis 3, that there, there is to be enmity between the woman and the serpent and between the woman's seed and the serpent seed. This can hardly mean that there'll be enmity between snakes and humans. The word for seed simply means offspring or children. The children of the woman and the children of the serpent will have enmity or hostility toward one another. Then we receive a prophetic word, that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, while the seed of the serpent bruises the heel of the woman. This is a prophecy uh, of the redeeming work of Christ. Jesus Christ, the ultimate seed of the woman, and he crushed the head of the seed of the serpent at Calvary's cross, where he was bruised for our iniquities. The identity of the seed of the serpent is revealed in this statement. It's in Genesis 4.8 that we see this hostility See, there's hostility or enmity between the seed of the woman or the children of the woman and the children of the serpent. Genesis 4.8, Cain becomes angry and murders murders Abel over the sacrifice, over the worship. Cain is the seed of the serpent and Abel the seed of the woman. In Genesis 4.25, we find Seth is the replacement seed of the woman for Abel, Abel because Eve says, God has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So Cain was the replacement seed for the seed of the woman. From the very beginning, we find the presence of two seeds and two seed lines. Jesus speaks of it well in his parable of the weeds. Matthew 13, 37 through 39 He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So right there, we understand there's children of the wicked one and children of the kingdom. Seed of the woman, seed of the serpent. And this is a natural seed. In 1 John 3.12, we find that Cain, who was of that wicked one, we see the seed line of the serpent begins through Eve, the mother of all living. It, doesn't, it never says that Adam is the father of all living. It says, Cain, uh, it says Eve is the mother of all living. John 8.41, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. Jesus tells the Pharisees, They're of the devil, and their response is, We be not born of fornication, but rather we are from God, that is through Adam, the godly seed. The Pharisees understood the truth of the original sin. They knew that to be the children of the wicked one is to be born of fornication between Eve and the serpent. There's always two seeds spoken of through the Bible. Let's look further at the two trees in the midst of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were made first in the image and likeness of God. That is to be they were God made visible. The male and female natures operating together in union were the visible God, the invisible God made tangible. God gave the commandment and made a covenant with them to multiply and replenish the earth and take dominion over it. God then put these two natures into flesh in Genesis 2. They were to reproduce God's own life, which he placed within them. In Genesis 1.11, we're told that each seed is, re- is to be produced after his kind. Right? There to maintain as they were and not be hybrid with another life, yet he put within each, rep- each reproductive process the capability for the botany, animal, and human life to be crossbred or hybrid with other species close in relationship with itself. The serpent, being an upright creature and beautiful like the human, with the ability to speak and reason, had the capacity to crossbreed with mankind. God's first purpose for Adam and Eve is to reproduce and take authority over all the earth. Satan would then seek to thwart this purpose. God then placed a test in the Garden of Eden, two trees. Then when the test was failed, God changed the serpent to a reptile on his belly. Unable to reproduce with man anymore. He placed a judgment upon the woman's pregnancy and birth and said her desire would be to her husband. Then he cursed the land for the sake of Adam, precisely what he said he would later do to Israel in Deuteronomy 24 if husbands took back their wives who had been defiled by another man through marriage. Genesis 1, they're told to reproduce. And in Genesis 3, the curses all surround disobeying the command of reproducing. But in Genesis 2, we have a story about trees and fruits and eating. They were were forbidden to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If they ate of it, they would die. This tree is in the midst of the garden. The scripture itself will reveal the truth. Song of Solomon 4, verse 12. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. So we see there the garden is the woman. The midst of the garden speaks of her reproduction process. Notice how Solomon speaks in the next chapter. Song of Solomon 5, verse 1. I'm come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink, yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. Now we see he is to come into his garden and he has eaten and drank. So in Proverbs, Solomon also uses similar terminology. Proverbs 30 verse 20 says, Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. So the act of adultery is spoken euphemistically as eating. Eating is none other than the sexual act. The garden is the woman. The fruits are the pleasures and body parts. So we see then that two trees are placed in the midst of the garden. One, the tree of knowledge. Notice in Genesis 4.25, which says, And Adam knew his wife again. This terminology comes from the phrase, the tree of knowledge. In Genesis 3.16, God says he will increase the conceptions of Eve. How can conceptions be increased? God designed all animals with the capability to be able to have babies once per year and some more than that. They all do so for their babies and because of their cycle, not because of seeking pleasure. In the sermon, Marriage and Divorce from February 21st, 1965, she is designed alone for filth and unclean living. A dog can't and no other female can. It's just the woman that can. A dog or any other animal once a year and that for her babies not for sexual pleasure, but for her babies. The old sow hog, the old slut dog, once a year, one moment, that's for her babies. But a woman is designed for any time she desires. I've got some stuff crossed out here. You can imagine the rest. So God purposed Adam to come together with Eve at the time appointed. They were not to do so for mere pleasure, but rather according to the plan an hour of God. It doesn't mean that it wouldn't contain pleasure within it, but that it wasn't it wasn't to be done for mere pleasure. It was be, to be done in obedience to God's command. In the sermon, spoken word is original seed. In March, March eighteenth, nineteen sixty-two. See, there you are. The life sperm of Eve never happened. It never did. Why? She mingled it, kept it away. Instead of Adam coming to her for a bride. When the time appointed would be. So we see Eve was designed by Satan to be used for pleasure. This, of course, did not take place until after the fall. Satan, through the serpent, perverted the use of the woman, and God cursed her to have the ability to conceive and the menstrual cycle every 28 days. As science even admits, it is only the human species that copulates for the sake of pleasure alone. All animals only follow the flows of their bodies. Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge. That is, they had relations for pleasure outside of the time appointed by God. Eve first with the serpent and then some short time after that with Adam. Then within her womb, she carried two seeds from two fathers. They were then banned from eating the tree of the tree of life The capability to reproduce children with physical immortality was taken away along with their own immortality. That is the start of twins of two natures and two seeds. Cain was religious. He offered fruits of the field as an offering to God. Abel was also, but he by revelation offered to God a more excellent sacrifice, a lamb. Then later we find Jacob and Esau, two seeds from the same womb and the same father this time, but two different natures. Esau went after the Canaanite women and even sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob waited for his bride to be from his family line, like just like his father did. Jacob had such a desire to have that birthright no matter what. Then we have Moses and Balaam, both prophets, both anointed to prophesy the truth. But Balaam led the children of Israel to sin through mixed marriages. The list goes on. Jeremiah and Hananiah, Micaiah and the 40 false prophets of Ahab, Jesus and Judas, Paul and the Judaizers. In the last days, according to Matthew 24, 24 there shall arise false anointed ones and false prophets that shall deceive, if it were possible, the very elect. Every generation there are twins, the true elect and the false anointed ones. Both are claiming to be Christians, and both are anointed with the Holy Spirit. But one is the seed of God, and the other is the seed of the serpent. Both have seeds have miracles, both preach, both have churches. But only the seed of God can recognize God revealing himself in the present tense. God's purpose for today is almost never recognized by the orthodox mainstream church. They worship God according to history, but the true elect worships the God revealed today from the scriptures. All right, let's go to our next topic. We're going to look at speaking the truth in all situations. God challenges us to speak the truth in every situation. This is a basic Christian tenet. We are not to lie under any circumstances. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Who is your neighbor? Well, it's everyone, everywhere. We often face situations where telling the truth would hurt the feelings of others, and instead of being honest, we tell them what what we think they want to hear. This is the most challenging part of telling the truth. As believers, we struggle with the tension between kindness and honesty. We know we're supposed to be kind and we know we're supposed to be honest, but how do we combine the two when they are challenged? Some always choose kindness, and some always choose honesty. Those that always choose honesty, we call rude. And those that always choose kindness, we tend to appreciate or else we say they are pushovers. This in itself shows that God purposes a good balance between honesty and kindness. Those that say that it has to be one or the other are in error. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love. Our honesty can be spoken in love. Here's a common question when we go out to dinner at a restaurant. Did you enjoy your meal? And we always respond, yes, it was good. However, we do this even when it wasn't. Or we tell them very plainly, no, it wasn't good at all. The balance is somewhere in between. Instead, we can respond with a smile saying, well, thank you. It wasn't my favorite. I ordered the salad and I probably would have enjoyed the steak more or something to that effect. Sometimes we don't like something because of our own choice, or sometimes we go to a place and it simply isn't a place we usually would care for, and we don't find out until experiencing it. Another way to be polite and honest is simply to smile and say thank you without going into anything. You're thankful for their service to you. Another example is when someone gives you a gift and they ask, do you like it? Depending on the closeness of your relationship, this can be a very uncomfortable position if you don't like the gift they've given you. We always we always must speak the truth to our neighbor. The Bible tells us, commands us that. We must find a polite way to thank them for the gift, but tell them the truth. Thank you very much. It's a very nice gift, but the fact is, I'm not really a big fan of summer sausage. Or that's great. Unfortunately, we don't use usually uh, use this type of lotion, but thank you. These are seemingly innocuous situations that the truth is unimportant in. You think, well, what does it matter? It's not a big deal. But the fact is that we begin to set a precedence and an atmosphere in our spirit that we do not always tell the truth, even when it's it's inconvenient to do so. If you don't speak the truth in the little things, then it's unlikely we'll speak the truth in the big things. May the Lord strengthen and make sensitive again our conscience. Proverbs twelve nineteen: the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Psalms 120, verse 2, deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Psalms 58, 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. These uh, This is uh, Proverbs six sixteen and 17. These thick six, six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. God hates, he hates a lying tongue. He considers it an abomination. Do not let the spirit of this age exalt kindness and tolerance above honesty and truth. We need to be polite and kind, but not apart from honesty, Lying kindness is a perversion of true kindness, honest kindness. Those that hate you for speaking the truth are not worthy to go by the name of friends. At the center of our struggle is the fear of man. We fear the opinion of others and the rea- reaction of others. Our first and foremost thought should be pleasing God and the opinion of God. When we speak the truth, we gain the trust of true and genuine people. are truly worth the title of friend. Our family and even people in church might despise us for speaking the truth in love, but it is better to honor God with polite honesty than to dishonor him with lies. Let's go on to our next topic, sharing the gospel with Muslims. You'll often find that sharing the gospel with Muslims is a very difficult thing to do. They'll often get you sidetracked with silly questions and debates that have nothing to do with the truth. I encourage you to ignore these things. They will get you to focus on the modesty of how Muslim women dress or about some other topic unrelated to our purpose. Before we speak about how to evangelize Muslims, I want to speak about some history and facts about Islam so you know what you're talking about when you encounter Muslims. Islam was introduced in the 600s by Muhammad Muhammad, In modern-day Saudi Arabia, the Quran mentions Jesus more than it does Muhammad, and it gives him the titles Spirit of God and Word of God. It also refers to Jesus and his mother as sinless and that Jesus is the virgin-born Messiah. It speaks of miracles that he did. It then says that it is blasphemy to say that Jesus is the Son of God. They say that is the case because they believe it means that Christians believe that God had sex with Mary. No amount of reasoning against this will change their minds. Simply state the truth and move on. They do not believe that Jesus was crucified, but rather that he was caught up to God and Judas was crucified in his place. They also believe that it is Jesus that will return and set up a worldwide Islamic kingdom. Women are considered the property of men. A man can marry four wives, and temporary marriage is also is allowed. You could be married for one hour, one week, one year, etc. Se- sexual degradation is often a key part of Islam. Men are almost expected to be sexually promiscuous, but the women who are promiscuous with them are punished. Conversion from Islam to another religion is called apostasy, and under Sharia law it is punishable by death this thought always accompanies a muslim and it is a key part of why it is so difficult to lead them to christ through the gospel in the middle east however we've seen truly a move of we've we have really seen no true move of god among muslims in converting to christ until recently iranians are converting at an amazing rate in 2009 when i first began working with Iranians. There were an estimated 100,000 converts in the country, but now um, they're estimating way over 2 million. This is a totally unprecedented thing in the history of Islam. In my own experience, when God is dealing with the heart of Muslims, it's so simple to lead them to Christ. So understand, it is God that converts the heart of man. It's not your argument that does so. However, we should have an understanding of those we are speaking to and be able to bridge the gap from Islam to Christ. The first thing we should address when speaking to a Muslim is that the Quran says that Jesus is the word of God and the spirit of God. Are you different from your word? Are you different from your own spirit? Then if Jesus is the word and spirit of God, then he is God. The next claim to address is that the Bible has been perverted. This claim Uh, is almost always made but we can address it right away you say that the bible is perverted and only the quran is the perfect word of god but think of this if god cannot keep the bible the gospel the psalms and 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 the torah if he can't keep that then how can we trust him to keep the quran My God is able to keep his word and will never lose it regardless of the the sinfulness of man. The Bible is perfect because a perfect God has kept it so. Only the Quran has deviated from the Bible. Muslims say that Islam is the perfect religion, but notice that to teach a man can have four wives. Ask them, In the beginning, did God make Adam and four wives, or did he make Adam and Eve? He made Adam and Eve. One man and woman. Christ taught us that marriage is for one man and one woman. Which religion is perfect then? Next, you can begin to tell them about the Garden of Eden and what happened there, resulting in the serpent seed and then God's desire for fellowship to redeem man and that he sent Jesus to bring us forgiveness of sins. Then challenge them to read the Bible or watch the Jesus movie. Give them a New Testament, or you could have them watch The Chosen as well. Give them a New Testament or the book of John and the Jesus movie. Treat them with love and respect, not as a lower life form. Care for them. Show them the love of God. This will have a great testimony. If they're predestinated seed... They will respond to the truth. You don't need to argue and fight with them. Simply state your case and move on. If they argue about it, say if you have a response, say something, but if you don't have a response, say, just repeat what you said about the gospel because again, it's not about it's a it's about a chance for them to hear the truth. It's not about you winning an argument. You speak the truth, God will take the truth and work in their hearts to change their minds from error to truth. Only God can do that. It's your duty to lay the case out, make it clear. Well, thank you all for listening to our podcast for today. We sure appreciate that. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to Equipping the Bride podcast. New episodes are posted every Friday. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. Please, I ask you to remember the believers and the missions work in the Middle East in prayer. May the Lord richly bless you.